This is Mike Weinberg, the author of Sales Truth, Debunk the Myths, Apply Powerful Principles, Win More New Sales, and you are listening to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Hello and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly marketing book podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal during this unusual time is to reconnect you with past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I either run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning, the host and guest may very likely be drinking cocktails during these conversations. I mean, come on. They are recorded during the cocktail hour. To find the show notes for each episode with pictures of each guest and links mentioned in their conversation, visit marketingbookcocktails.com. Marketingbookcocktails.com. See what I did there? And if you'd like to join the conversation, email a voice recording to me at douglas at salesartillery.com, and I'll try to include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. Mike Weinberg, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. How are you? I cannot believe I'm back with you, especially under these circumstances, Douglas. Yes, well, you know, we have to find the silver lining, and uh, I appreciate you coming back onto uh, this hopefully limited time series of authors in quarantine getting cocktails, and normally you you write a new book, and that's my permission to be able to speak to you, so this is a, a, a bonus for me. Now, you're, you're doing okay? Your health is all right? Yeah, my health is good. I'm keeping my, my attitude, my mind, and my heart in check as well, writing a lot about being positive. And uh, right now I'm sipping on a little Brooklyn West Pinot Noir reserved from my uh, my friend Michelle who lives in Oakland and runs a winery out there. So it's, oh. uh, I, don't, I don't know if it qualifies as a cocktail, but- Oh, it, it does. Sure does good. In okay. fact, for those playing the home game, you don't actually have to be, you don't actually have to have alcohol to enjoy a cocktail. So just uh, want everybody to know that. I don't want anybody feeling pressure like they got to be drinking the booze. But uh, we will include a link to her winery's website in your episode's show notes at marketingbookcocktails.com, marketingbookcocktails.com, which is different from where it normally is, marketingbookpodcast.com. And now you are in your your adopted home of St. Louis? I am. And I, I, I don't think I've spent this many nights in a row in my own bed since I was 20 years old. And my wife has not killed me yet, but we're probably getting close. Really? Well, I'd like to think that I'm, by having this conversation with you, I'm expen- extending your life for at least another hour. <laughs> she would probably agree. So, you know, maybe Mrs. Weinberg just needed a little bit of a break. A lot of authors I speak to, apparently their spouses are really grateful <laughs> For for doing this, and as I like to say, this special little series is also, in a way, like a Douglas Daycare because it relieves my family of having to talk to me or pretend like they're listening to me, or or for the younger ones even acknowledge that I'm in the room. But you know, when they were teenagers, I I got used to that. So, Mike, you have a special place in uh, marketing book podcast history lore because. You are the author of the first sales book I ever had on the Marketing Book Podcast. 
New Sales Simplified was episode 64, April of 2016. And I was so excited to be able to interview you in part because I had heard about your book for a few years from David Winehouse at HubSpot because they provide a lot of terrific training and resources to their partners. And they even try to guide you on how best to sell. And they always recommended one book, and it was New Sales Simplified. So I read that, and I just thought, you know, I know it's the Marketing Book Podcast, but I feel strongly about marketers reading sales books and understanding more about sales, spending more time with salespeople, trying to align their efforts with with sales. And you were, well, let me back up and just say Mike Weinberg, uh, you look up generous in the dictionary. Uh, you'll see his picture there because you were so pleased with that interview, as was I, that you then bought my family dinner at the nicest steakhouse in Norfolk, Virginia. <laughs> it's <laughs> so funny. Point, you know, first, of all, first of all, it's so funny that you just used the word generous because what I was thinking about both you and HubSpot have both been generous to me and my content. And I was thinking about how appreciative I was about you having me on your amazing show. And then you did that uh, incredible review of the book that's still one of the most popular and helpful reviews on Amazon. So it's a mutual admiration society. Oh. So I I think you're the generous one, and I was just demonstrating my thanks for how great you've been to me. So I think well, we're we're even on that on that oh, scale. I'll, well, now I'm gonna have, I'm gonna talk bit, top you in just a minute with this next story. But the fact is, at that point, my family, my wife, and two kids who are a bit younger than they they said something they'd never said to me before. What is it you do, Dad? <laughs> and then they said, "Oh, you have a podcast? Wow!" And so, anyway, that uh, we, we continue to march, and they they, they re- we really enjoyed that, and I was I was really uh, grateful. And then you wrote Sales Truth, which uh, is a fantastic book, and it's as I like to say. Mike Weinberg may have one day dreamed that people were going to start understanding the truth about sales as well, and perhaps more importantly, the myths from all these charlatans out there, to the point where Mike Weinberg may be resembling uh, the guy in the Zoolander movie who felt like he was taking crazy pills. But the truth is, Mike Weinberg is probably always going to have to be explaining and pointing out the BS in in the sales world. And the thing, so that was episode 265. It published in uh, February of 2020. Now I do have, I have to admit something because we're drinking and, you know, I, I feel like I can, I feel like I can open up to you, Mike Weinberg. And we recorded that interview on September, or excuse me, on December 27th. Okay. 2019. Okay. okay so we had Christmas day and then December 26th, and this had been scheduled, this interview, for some weeks. The next day, my kids in their 20s thought it would be a really cool idea. Well, they actually, we planned this before that day, but to have a Boxing Day party. And I don't know anyone that has Boxing Day parties. And people who know what Boxing Day is you know, in the Commonwealth countries like the UK and Australia and Canada, I, I don't suppose they have Boxing Days. But it wasn't just a Boxing Day party for all their friends. It was a Boxing Day fiesta party <laughs> so <laughs> all we had which had which was just really nonsensical but there was lots of uh, margaritas and mexican food and it was extremely well attended no one was doing anything 
So the next morning, <clears throat> I'm afraid I was just a little bit hungover when I was interviewing you, which is why in that particular interview, I may have sounded a little bit like the late, great Barry White. Oh, that's funny. You did not tip your hand, and I would not have known that if you didn't confess it. I'm still right now. In fact, as I sip another beautiful taste of this Pinot Noir Reserve from my friend's Brooklyn West Winery. She's from Brooklyn, New York, but now lives in Oakland, has a great business out there. Um, little shameless plug for Michelle Berger Epstein. Uh, Douglas, I, that's amazing. Like, I would not have known that. And I'm still trying to process how you had a Mexican fiesta for <laughs> Boxing Day. My, well, the reason I know Boxing Day is because my kids, my boys, are uh, British Premier League football club fans. So oh. Boxing Day is like the day where every team is playing. Oh, so they, right. they have like morning to midnight, you know, uh, nonstop. We call it soccer, but, you know, they don't dare use that word over there. Yeah. So I don't know where the, the margaritas and the <laughs> the burritos come in. But. <laughs> but it worked. It was sort of like chocolate and peanut butter. I mean, somebody at some point figured out those two things were good together. Go together. Yeah, so. Absolutely. <laughs> Boxing no, Day. Who's going to question that? Who, yeah. Who's going to question that? Nobody. It's a thing now. So now they want to do it every year, and everyone thought it was fun. And so there you go. And then this is where we really get into the Mike Weinberg uh, generosity. Uh, you were so pleased with that interview uh, that you said, Douglas, I'm the owner of a brand new Porsche 911 Targa 4S with the power kit. I want you to have that. And the only reason, you don't remember saying it, but I, I felt it. And the only reason I haven't come to pick up the car is because I can't travel because of the coronavirus. So if you could just, you know, maybe start it up every once in a while. Would you do that? I just washed that thing about two days ago. Thank and, you. Uh, it hasn't stopped raining since I washed it. So it's sitting in the garage. So, yes, I appreciate it. I don't remember exactly gifting you that car, but it's possible that in a moment of stupidity or generosity, whichever word you prefer, I might have done something like that. Yes, yes. Well, I, I, I kind of felt it. You know, maybe you didn't specifically say that, but I, I, I think so. Yeah, that's, that's where we're going with this. So when I get out to St. Louis, you know, hey, um, it might be if by the time I get to St. Louis, you're going to want to be out of town. And I think it'll work out really well. So. <laughs> Just it'll work out beautifully. <laughs> right. So I've been following your blog at MikeWeinberg.com and I I'm even subscribed to your newsletter, which I appreciate you getting those out there so that we're able to go back and see the latest stuff. And you've been posting just great information. You've done some, uh, you've even done some webinars for, for people. And I wanted to ask about a couple of things that you've touched on in your blog. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that might be most helpful right now is to share <laughs> some actual encouragement for sellers right now because my sense is that they're disoriented uh, and they're not quite sure what they're supposed to be doing and they're thinking they should be doing something different from the way they may have been trained. Yeah, that's good. I, I'd love to share some encouragement. Um, and as my friend Anthony Anarino said to me in a phone call not too long ago, you know, there is no playbook for selling during a global pandemic, right? Like we're <laughs> writing the playbook and none of us were prepared for this. Um, the, the tack that I chose, and it was a very conscious decision on about day three of lockdown, when I realized that my world was about to get turned upside down. And I mean, truly, Doug, I think I have a pile of 11 or 12 canceled airline tickets. And I haven't wow. been in my home this many consecutive days uh, in, in 32 years. Um, 
So it's it's easy to get blown by the wind and turned upside down and throw a pity party or panic. And I made a conscious a conscious choice right right early on that I was going to be positive and I was going to choose positivity and perseverance instead of pity parties and panic during this this time. And I did it for two reasons. One, I did it for myself, thinking I need to, I need to feed myself positivity so I make it through this mm-hmm. and use it for good instead of letting it destroy me. And I also realized that because I have followers that I could probably be breathing some life into them and help them by modeling positivity. So I have never had more eyeballs on on the things I've written or more more people pop into a webinar or be interested in what I'm doing because that positivity message really took hold. Mm. And I credit a lot of people from, from John Gordon, who's like Mr. Positivity and is a New York Times bestselling author of a number of books to just a number of other influences in my life that I thought they, they really are, are, they've laid the groundwork on positivity. Let's just say it that way. And, and the reality is while it's really hard and, and where there are significant headwinds, there are salespeople in all types of roles across every industry having success right now. And, you know, success is different. You define it a little differently today, depending on your market. In some, some companies I'm working with, uh, they're killing it. Their business is up because what they sell is COVID-19 mission critical. And then there are other, other companies I'm with, it's, it's opposite. They're, they're in the event business and they've been wiped out, you know. Mm-hmm. But yet, in spite of that, there are still salespeople having some success. But the success is relative. But across the board, I'm hearing salespeople tell me they're having more conversations. They're having longer conversations. They're having more productive conversations. People are responding. Uh, if, even if you're not filling your pipeline necessarily right now with real opportunities, you're planting seeds. You're making friends. You're starting a relationship. And then you will plant, uh, you will water and fertilize those seeds that you, you planted along the way. So I, I chose to encourage and to share successes. And, and I'm not saying that it's easy. And I'm not saying that I've enjoyed these three months. And I'm, I'm a little shocked. And I've had several executives concur with me on this. We're working harder and feeling more stressed than we ever imagined we would. We all kind of thought, oh, this will be downtime. Heck, you're not traveling. You're not on airplanes. You're not leading workshops. You're not on stages. So you'll kick back. And frankly, I'm doing the opposite. I'm staring into a webcam seven hours a day, and I'm leading more online meetings than I ever imagined. And I've really pivoted hard to sell more online content and, and my video coaching series. So, and I'm loving all the initiatives that, that I, and things I'm getting done. But at the same time, I am craving, and I wrote a funny post on LinkedIn about this uh, maybe a week ago. I'm craving travel torture. I want TSA to grope me. I want to pay $4 for a vitamin water zero at, at Hudson Bookstore in Lambert Airport. I want American Airlines to lie to me in O'Hare and strand me there. I want to burn my mouth on the soup in the Admiral's Club because it's so stupidly hot. You know what I'm saying? I, I want something like that to happen. Like I, I, I want to walk like I want to I want to walk all the way down the hotel floor in the Marriott to like room 1601 you know, which is a mile from the elevator, only to find my electronic key wasn't coded right. It doesn't work. Like I'm dying to have some travel torture right now. You know what I'm saying? Because it means you're back on the road. Yeah. So I'm making the most and I'm doing my best to help the sales community make the most of this. And I'm thrilled. I mean, beyond thrilled and impressed by the sales management I'm seeing and how much empathy and care managers are showing their people. And I'm beyond thrilled with some of the sales performances I'm seeing of people giving it their all right now and and laying it all out there. And they realize, you know, you're not in the healthcare war. 
So let's not put ourselves in the front lines. Like, you know, we're not a nurse and it ain't life and death, but it is livelihood, right? And there are salespeople who realize the whole world, their company, their family, their their customers, the economy is counting on them doing their job right now. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty darn impressed with what I'm seeing. Oh, that's great. It's great to hear. It's very positive. It's very true. And Mike, the thing that I most miss about traveling is getting frisked by TSA. That's why I travel. I prefer groped than frisked, but yes. Uh Well, they'll give you an option now. You just have to uh, indicate that on your, uh, (laughs) your, what's that thing called? TSA pre-check. You have to say, do you prefer groping or frisking? I said, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a frisker. Yeah. Give me the frisking. I'll go back in line just to, you know, but these are issues that maybe are discussed uh, at, at another time. And, you know, uh, yesterday I was speaking to this guy named uh, Mark Hunter. And uh, naturally, we- Have you recovered? Have you, are you back to well, be able to interview other people after well, doing that? You know, that's why you think I'm having cocktails. And so naturally, we spent most of the conversation talking about well, Mike Weinberg, you know, what's he really like? And, you know, what's he like to be around? And is he, I'll get him back. I actually, I have a pretty nice Mark Hunter compliment I'm going to give you here in a minute. Because he did something I thought was really admirable. But we'll, I'll let you finish. Keep going and well, then we'll come back. The one thing I want to ask you about Mark Hunter is, is he actually as crazy as he, as he seems? No. Because <laughs> he like, just seems like a wild man. I think, you know, I've known him for about 10 years. And he's a solid human and so high integrity and so caring and um, generous and all those things. Um, he is really wound tight. And <laughs> right. I'm not sure if it's the number of cups of coffee he drinks or how far he runs. And, you know, he's like 106 years old. So like, he looks good. <laughs> he just for celebrated his 40th wedding anniversary. Yeah, he did. I mean, he, he's up there, right? So he, but he is really, he's got a really high motor and he runs fast yes. and in public. On stage, I mean, that's part of who he is. Like he just gets, he takes it upon himself to get people fired up. But mm-hmm. um, he's a neat dude. Yeah, he's a neat guy. Yeah, he's he's a great guy, and he wants to get back on the road. And I I agree with you. Sometimes you know he may actually have more energy than than Jeb Blunt. Oh yeah, I think that would be a good that would be a good battle. You know, <laughs> Jeb's got a lower center of gravity. Mark's kind of all tall, but that that would be a good little. You know, let him let him run and wrestle a little bit. I, let me say something about Hunter. I. We had a conversation. It was a private conversation, but it's not it's not confidential. We're we're good friends, and he was getting ready for the launch of his recent book, which is a phenomenal book, right? A Mind for Sales. Yeah, and I was super honored to endorse it, and uh, it's you know I'm right there on the back cover, and um, it's a beautiful book about sales being a lifestyle and just what it's meant in Mark's life and how he got into sales and just some funny stories and and. Mark was debating. I, I don't know if you, t- you talked about this with him at all. Let me know if this is redundant to what you just recorded. But he was debating delaying the book launch. Did you guys get into that in your you interview? You mentioned that very briefly at the end about delaying it. And I've heard from a lot of authors who have delayed their books. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what he told me. This is behind the scenes. Because there was there was a real debate with the publisher and Mark. And Amazon was so backed up at the time with you know essentials and food and you know sanitizer. And so they were like 30 days out on shipping books. And he's like, this is going to kill me. I've, I mean, he put so much work into this and, and the launch team. And and he came back to me one night and he said, Weinberg, here's the, de- here's the deal. I made a decision. He goes, I'm a salesperson and I have to play the hand I was dealt. I'm not going to punt this thing. It's wrong. I'm going to lead the way. 
I'm going to play the hand I was dealt. We're going to launch this darn book. You're going to help me promote it. You guys are all going to help me promote it. We'll push on the Kindle first to get, get people going with that and the Audible. But, uh, and we'll, and we'll they'll buy, the, they'll buy the hardcover when they can. And I just love that he's like, screw the pandemic. Screw whatever. I'm not going to wimp out. I'm going to play the hand that I got to play. And he went and launched the book to great success, made number one Amazon bestseller in its category you know, on day one. And, and I was just proud of him like as a friend that he wanted to get the book out to help people. And he knew the book would help him now. And it may have hurt him a little bit, you know, from what the, the, some of the volume they would have moved if Amazon had real inventory and they could have shipped books. Mm-hmm. But I just thought, what a great example to the community that, you know what, we're all playing on this. I'm going to play too. I'm not going to take my ball and go home and wait for a better day. And I just, I, I salute him for that. I thought that was really cool. That is so consistent with Mark, though, because I can remember the weeks leading up to the the real serious shutdown where he was saying, look, I am not going to let this thing uh, control me. Uh, I am going to control the things that I can control, and that's my reaction to it. I am not going to you know, curl up in the fetal position. I'm going to keep going. I don't know if you saw some of the videos he was posting from, from airports and he is ready to get going. And when I spoke to him, he had uh, already had a haircut. He'd been to a restaurant a few times. Yeah. Omaha, they opened up a little, they're a little, little easier than where you, where you live. Uh, So he, he's taken advantage of that and good for him. Yeah. 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 So there was one uh, post uh, that you wrote where the headline just really grabbed me. <laughs> you said Uh-oh. that no, during, no. during the pandemic, speaking of flying, salespeople need to fly the airplane. <laughs> what did you mean by that? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the story. It's it's worth the, the couple minutes here. Um, I sat down to write an article to both sales leaders and salespeople to remind them at a time like this, you got to focus on the fundamentals and the basics and you don't have time for periphery crap. We're in a crisis. You're flying into a storm. You got to focus on the majors, right? Major on the majors. And all of a sudden, this memory came flooding back to me like it was yesterday. And this is like 29 years ago. I'm living in New York. I'm the assistant to the CEO and owner of Slim Fast Foods, when it's one of the fastest growing companies in America. I'm 24 years old and I've got keys to a Gulfstream jet that was owned and run by my company. And I am, because I'm the assistant to the CEO, I like I basically run the flight department, which is crazy. I had no business doing this. And I convinced the, the CEO that he should pay for me to take flying lessons since, heck, I'm running the flight department. I, I should at least know what those guys are doing up there. And God forbid one of them got food poisoning or something. I, I could always jump in the cockpit and be the, the number two guy if there was, you know, someone got incapacitated which is still my fantasy to this day that I'll get uh-huh. to jump in the front of the That's plane. why you want to travel. That's why I want, I want yeah. <laughs> You're looking for your shot. Yeah, I'm look, you don't, I, we shouldn't use that word, looking for the shot and oh. cockpit doors and all yes. that. But anyway, back back to my Opportunity. story. Opportunity. So, so I'm taking flying lessons out of Long Island, MacArthur Islip Airport on Long Island. I've been there. Out, uh, in, uh, what, Suffolk County. Busy air traffic, you know, commercial flights in there. And I'm learning how to fly for real. And I solo around the airport and I'm doing great. And my instructor's taking me all over the place, Hutchin River and up over Westchester and Connecticut. And after a few weeks, he looks at me, and goes, Weinberg, you're ready for solo cross country. It's time for you to take this little Cessna 172 by yourself, 50 miles away. You take off over here out of Islip and you're going to fly over Long Island Sound, 6,000 feet over the Atlantic Ocean. And you're going to cross about 20 miles of water and you're going to uh, end up in Connecticut and you're going to land over there in... Uh, Somewhere I don't know, it was Hartford or wherever it was. 
and then you'll make a turn and you'll fly 50 more miles and you'll fly back to, to Long, Long Island. And I looked at him like, you're crazy. He's like, oh, you're ready for this. So we prepare. It takes a couple of days. We write up the flight plan and I'm getting in the little Cessna to do my first solo cross country. And he's closing me in the, in the airplane. He's about to close the door. And he says, hey, I got one more thing for you. I'm like, what? He said, fly the plane. And I looked at him like, duh. Thanks, moron. You've been teaching me for a month to fly this plane. I'm good. And he's like, no, 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 no. Listen to me. You've never been in this situation. You're a student pilot. You're going to be 6,000 feet over the Atlantic Ocean. Tons of air traffic. Air traffic control is going to get frustrated with you as a student pilot. You're going to get flustered. For all you know, you're going to have a mechanical problem and have to deal with something like that. He goes, if you get in any trouble up there or you get confused, listen to me. Forget all the nonsense. Don't worry about navigating. Don't worry about communicating. Fly the freaking airplane. Worry about the few things that are going to save your life. Altitude and airspeed. He said, do you hear me? And I'm like, yes, sir. Like it was like the best advice anyone could ever give you. Like if you get in trouble, just do what you got to do, right? Forget the nonsense. And that's what prompted me. Like I, I had that thought in my head and then the analogy came back and the story, it's weird how as an author, you, you kind of learn more about your brain. And there are times that stories from your past come back to you when you sit down to write something and you don't even know you had that. You, I didn't even know I had that story filed away, but that's been really helpful as I've led webinars and training sessions to help salespeople focus on the three or four things that really move the needle. And I have a, a different version of fly the airplane for sales managers because there are, are three high value activities and then two sales process responsibilities. And I'm telling sales managers, forget everything else. Do these five things. You're going to win. And it's working. So that's where that story comes from. And it, it's one of the most popular posts I've written in, in years. So thanks for asking about it. <laughs> and then the, you had another one. Uh, people are yearning for this information and you talk about, and we're going to tease this because we're not going to tell the listener what it is, but it's- I don't the, even know which one you're talking about yet. So you're teasing me. The <laughs> not so secret to sales success during and after a crisis. And- I'm tempted to say to Mike Weinberg, the, the not-so-secret uh, to sales success is having the latest uh, tool and, and doing a lot of playing around on social media, right? Wrong. Wrong. I don't, I don't even want you to answer that because I know you have a, a bottle of wine there and you might throw it and it looked like a very nice uh, study you're in. Let me just quote from that. <laughs> you said, Please. the very same best practices that drive sales success when we're not dealing with a bizarre virus a government-imposed lockdown and the nuances of work from home are the ones we need to master to succeed now during this crisis and to set ourselves up to absolutely rocket fuel our results for the coming recovery. I mean, that again, fly the plane. Amen. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's why I was so obtuse about it. And I love the image I found that I probably paid way too much money for too with the, the, the woman on the on the image, you know, going, shh, don't tell anybody. But the 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 fact is, and any, anyone who's worth their weight in the sales improvement business or in your business knows the basics are still the basics. Yeah, we've got to couch our messaging and we've got to be more empathetic and other centered. Otherwise, we're gonna get laughed away or ridiculed. But the reality is that the basics are still the basics. If you're in sales, you gotta have a great story. You got to be able to get a meeting and you have to be able to conduct a good meeting. Those are your three most important sales weapons. I don't care if it's we're in the strongest economy ever or we're upside down during a pandemic and we're on lockdown and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're wearing a mask and you're on Zoom. If you can't 
articulate value and, ha- and you don't have a customer issue and customer outcome focused story, if you can't secure a meeting with a target account, and then once you get that meeting, if you can't conduct it like a professional, so you come across as an advisor and a consultant and a problem solver, not just some low level vendor or product pitch man, you're screwed. So that's where I was going with that. Like, it's not a secret. That's the secret to winning now. It's the secret to winning later. And, and you, you got to do those things. And that's why I keep reminding salespeople, it's the fundamentals. And that's really a big part of the reason why I wrote Sales Truth. And we talked about that at length, you know, in our first conversation about that. Because to Doug, the weird part is, and, and you know this because you, you're in the space, the the barrier to entry to be a thought leader today in the marketing and sales world is an internet connection and a LinkedIn profile. You need, you need no clients. You need no expertise. As long as you could put out something that enough people like, right? You could claim yourself as someone who has a following and you're a thought leader. Look at me. And it's really dangerous, like in your world and mine. It is right? dangerous. I've been trying to tell my listeners, be careful. <laughs> Be careful. And it's true. And that's why I'm like, stop. And, you know, there's a lot of no, people. I mean, out be there. careful listening to me. Please go ahead. Oh, I know. I know. I, I mean, believe me, same thing here. We're the self appointed gurus, right? Um, <laughs> but you know, you know where I'm going with this. There's, there's a lot of dangerous advice out there because there's no one. And I'm, I'm not that I'm saying we, there should be a filter, right? I'm not pro censorship. In fact, right now, the way one particular politician is speaking, well, who we won't name, but he lives in a big house that's a light color. You would think that freedom of the press was a problem, right? Well, no, we don't, we don't want to censor anybody. But th- there's no filter. So there's a lot of popular nonsense that doesn't move the needle. And that's why I wrote Sales Truth to go, wait a second, wait a second. I've got real clients and and I'm around a lot of sales teams and a lot of industries. And this crap that I read online, that everything has changed and you need something new and fancy, that's not true. It's not true. You do, there are new tools and tech stacks are great. I'm not opposed to that. But if you don't master the fundamentals, especially those three we talked about, your message, your ability to secure a meeting and your ability to conduct a meeting, you are going to fail as a salesperson. Right. And for me, it brings to mind playing golf where somebody thinks that somebody who's not maybe a very good golfer or hasn't worked on the basics, like the swing and all those kinds of things. They think that by getting the best uh, clubs, the really expensive mm-hmm. ones, that is going to be what helps. And the fact is, you could be a professional golfer with a lousy pair of clubs, and you're still going to win. Amen. That's a beautiful analogy. So I don't know. I guess it's uh, I guess it's some of those other insecurities that that uh, people have. So is there anything, Mike, that has really surprised you? in all this uh, quarantine. You've talked about all the really encouraging things, and I'm always looking for those two and positive things, but is there anything that's kind of surprised you? Um, I'm surprised on the on the upside how well people transition to work from home and selling remotely. And I know that's not every industry, but I, I, I had a feeling once we got through the transition to lockdown that the dust would settle. And I've, I've seen people really thrive. I mean, really focus, really be disciplined, really use remote tools. That that has surprised me how well that has gone. Um, I don't, beyond that, I don't really have, I guess the other surprise is the openness of, of buyers instead of putting up like the Heisman stiff arm, like rejection hand, 
the willingness of buyers to engage in dialogue and be transparent and not just try to shame salespeople for bothering them during a time like this. Hmm. Um, I'm regularly reminding salespeople, like, remember your why. Yeah, you make more money if you sell more, but you're really doing this to help people, right? You're trying to create a better outcome. You're trying to solve a problem, achieve a better result for a customer. You're not calling to bother them. As my friend Anthony says all the time, selling isn't something you do to someone. It's something you do with them for their benefit. So like there are the idiots trying to shame salespeople for being tone deaf and selling during a pandemic, but that's a rare minority. So I'm, I'm really pleased and surprised by how buyers have been receptive and thankful for salespeople being proactive and how well salespeople have adjusted. Even some old fart, tenured, cynical people that were anti-tech and were like, hey, I'm a relational guy and I do better in person. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? When you're locked in your house and, and someone really needs you, you figure it out. And some of those crusty old veterans that weren't going to go anywhere near a, a tech stack, they figured out how to stare into a webcam and how to put some light on them and run a meeting. And you know what? They're doing pretty darn well. So hmm. I'm pleased by that. What, Doug, what are you surprised by? Well, I, I, I'm in a line of work where we could be doing this virtually. In other words, we everybody left the office. Now we're all mm-hmm. working from home and I'm let that office lease just go because I, <laughs> I don't know what's ahead. And I guess this is just one more decision that a lot of people are making in our instance where I said, well, maybe we should have done this a long time ago. So I, I don't know. I think, um, I don't know. I just feel really fortunate and I'm really filled with a lot of, I don't think I've been surprised by so many things, but I've, I've been uh, really looking for the positive things. So I've stopped watching any kind of television news. I've really cut down on reading about news online. Um, and that's probably helped my mental health. <laughs> and I've, I've been staying, you know, really busy. You know, I get to talk to an author every day. So I, I guess uh, I haven't really been too surprised. You know, you'd think that as a host, I'd do a better job of thinking up my own answers to the questions I'm asking. But yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know. And I'll just give you an example. You know, all the authors that I reached out to and said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this limited time series. What what, what do you think of this idea? And what would you be interested? And as I've said before, within an hour, over a hundred authors said, I'm in. Yeah. Well, and half of them said, I'm already drinking. So yeah. And you know what? They want to help. They all want to help. They do, but don't take too lightly either your position in the world and how, how valued you are by all of us and your community. Like there, there's a lot of people podcasting and yours is special and you're, you're special. And that's really cool that people said yes that quickly. I I can't imagine someone saying no to you and this program. So you, you're making a big dent in the community. And I, I just want to pick up on, on something that you said a minute ago too. Well, thank you. I've ha- yeah, you're welcome, and I and I mean that, and it's it's I'm I'm appreciative of you, and so are, so are all of us that that I I mean, you you set yourself apart by a long way, but you said something special a minute ago too that was really important, and I it's been important to me personally. You got to cut out some of the negative inputs. I'm a really emotional person. I swing like I you know I am. No one says hey that guy's real calm. That's Weinberg. He's all. And what over else, the place. Mike Weinberg? He's a hugger. He's a hugger, and I'm I'm not getting a lot of hugs except for the few people living in this house. Well, but, I want but, um, you to think of this as a virtual hug because the very I'll first time you, I finally get... met you in person, you said, "Come here, I'm a hugger," uh, and I'm going to get all choked up here. And I, I, be, but because I'm wired that way, I've had to cut myself off from the news as well, the, just like you described. That's one of the things I'm preaching. You gotta you gotta limit the negative inputs because it's doomsday hysteria out there, and it's almost like they're 
there's an agenda in the news to cause you to panic. Well, yeah, be because depra- then you stay addicted to whatever. News. Like if you're watching news right. or you're reading it or I'm on to those people. And of course, there's all the science that shows it. But yeah, it, I just felt so much better. I'm, I've really cut it down. I'm not going back to the sites I normally go. I've on my... Mm-hmm. Well, on, when I do go into Facebook, I have this thing that I learned about from Nir Eyal in his book, Indistractable, which is such a great book for this era we're in. You know, the superpower of the 21st century, he argues, is your ability to keep from being so distracted. Oh, and we all get distracted. You know, it's, it's normal. But he shows how to do it. And one of the little tricks in his book that I had already been using, but he, I, I can tell you it really works. There's a Chrome plugin called Newsfeed Eradicator for Facebook. Everybody listening should try it out. And what you do is you plug it in. And if you do open up Facebook, you don't see your news feed. You see like an inspirational quote. But the reason I'm going in there is to see if somebody's trying to message me. So you can see the little red dot to see if somebody sent you a message, but you don't get pulled into that seductive vortex of the news feed, which Facebook, you know, it works really well. They 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 want you to do that. They want you to spend more time on it. So that has really cut down on the on the uh, the social media, but also not watching uh, any kind of television news. Um, yeah, it really and it's it's you know there are so many people and people listening to this who are very careful about what they eat. And, you know, what you put in your head, you can actually control, and it does have a big uh, difference. So I would urge listeners just to try it for a day or try it for a week and, and see how it feels. I love it. Yeah, that's really good. This is fun. I'll get down off my soapbox now. I'm just thankful. It's good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, Mike, last question. Aside from talking to me, so you don't need to say this, um, what are you doing to keep yourself entertained these days? Well. That's a great question. I I really miss sports, but even sports talk more than sports itself. I didn't realize how much emotional energy I got from a certain shows or talk radio <laughs> about sports because that's like my ultimate distraction. Yeah. So the the Michael Jordan series, The Last Dance on ESPN. Oh, yeah. And you have a blog post about that too. I do. I do. I really, that was one of the most popular posts I've ever written because um, there was just such powerful lessons in there for being a high performer. And I'm not saying that MJ wasn't a jerk or prima donna or, you know, at times almost mean as a teammate, but oh my gosh, the drive, you know, I knew he was special and, you know, I was in college in my early adulthood during the prime of his career, but I don't think I really understood how crazy driven he was. And so that was just a huge lesson. So that, those, those couple hours a week led to lots of conversation with my younger son, who's at home right now from college. And uh, so that was fun. And um, my younger son is also into golf. And golf is one of those games you can actually play being socially distant and all the courses are open here um, and with some unique rules, but you can still get out. So we've played a few times, which has helped get me away from the, the webcam. Mm-hmm. So I've done that and we've done some drives, although the weather has just been crappy. And honestly, I've done, I just it was really good timing. I started a weight loss regimen the week before the lockdown started. And I'm really thankful I did that because I probably would have gone 20 pounds the other direction. And I'm pretty close to being down 20 um, since the beginning of March right now. And that's uh, that's keeping me going. So I'm walking a lot at the park and getting out. And that's just been good for me. Like I feel better. Yes. Especially with the stress of the being locked down at home. So I think if I wasn't on some pretty strict resume, I, I would have been a mess right now physically. So Well, good for you. And I have to share with the listener, when we first got on here, because I took a picture of Mike 
toasting you, the listener. And you can see that at marketingbookcocktails.com. He's not only holding up the glass of wine, he's holding up the bottle from the winery. So he's he's helping out his friend back in back in Oakland. But he had on what looked like some different glasses. And I don't know if they were different glasses or not. And I said, Mike, man, those glasses, they really make you look younger. And they could have been the same glasses you've always been wearing. And then you finally said, well, I've also lost 18 pounds. I said, oh, that's what it is. <laughs> so good for you, man. You're looking good. And you were not an unattractive man to begin with. So well, I, that I, out there. I got a long way to go. I think I'm about halfway to my goal. So how are you doing it? I like to conquer this. Yeah. So how, how are you doing it? What are you, what are you doing differently? It's just basic stuff. I have, I have a coach that's helping me and that's, um, so I'm accountable and I had a little money in the game. So I'm getting an ROI here Oh, and, uh, and I am, uh, you know, so I'm having a way in and I just, you know, it's, it's smart eating, honestly, and taking away some, some food choices and pretty balanced, mostly, you know, relatively low carb. Yeah. Um, but smart. And, uh, it, just, it was just what I needed cause I was failing. Couldn't get that one figured out on my own. So I, I needed to, uh, you know, and that's just an interesting lesson. I'll probably write more about this when I get to where I want to be. But there's times where I've hired my own coach for business a couple times, and this is the first time I've done it in this arena. And there's just a reality. And I'm not saying this because I'm a coach looking for business because I barely coach anybody individually at this point. But there's something about getting outside expertise where someone who's been there and done that and knows how to walk you through and knows the pitfalls. And there's something in our dynamic as humans, when we take money out of our pocket and invest it, we want to get a return. So we change our behavior and we have some skin in the game. Yes. And I, I felt like part of what I needed to do was, was put some money in the game so that I would want to get an ROI. Uh-huh. And, and I knew I had not, had not had success on my own. So I'm like, I'll let somebody help me. And it was a little humbling, honestly, like that you couldn't, I couldn't solve this on my own. But at the same point, I'm like, yeah, I'm a professional. I get paid to help people. I'm going to pay someone else to help me. So yeah. it, that's where how I got there. If I'm paying, I'm paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I've never heard it that way. <laughs> well, Beautiful. think about it. Yeah, it's true. So, well, that's good. And actually, it reminds me of this uh, book I read not too long ago called Sales Truth, where he talked about, look, you can you can do you can try all these different things, but there are a few basic things that are going to help you with your sales. So in your instance, it's, I mean, it's, you know what you have to do, but you got to go do it. So it's, I don't know, analogous to prospecting, I suppose. I'm not even going to add an editorial comment. That's a beautiful (laughs) summation of what I was trying to say in that book. (laughs) There are no shortcuts. There are no tricks. Yes. Yes. So, uh, well, listen, Mike Weinberg, I appreciate you joining us uh, here on Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. And I hope that you and your family uh, stay safe and healthy and happy. Doug, thank you. And thank you to your audience. They're, they're so great. And I wish you well as we finish up this pandemic. And I don't, you know, I don't know what the future looks like and I don't know how long we're going to be in this, but I know there are great days ahead and we need to all stick together and stay positive and choose positivity and productivity and perseverance over pity parties and panic. I'll leave you with that. Very well said. Thank you. Thank you.